The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. It is just generally a pleasure at this date and time, because we are right in the middle. Depending on where you're listening to this, we're either just starting or just wrapping up. Thanksgiving weekend. Love this time of year. It's a restful time. It is a time where I can gorge myself on food, and that is always a good time for me. And one of the people that allows me to gorge on food is producer Lauren, my sister, who I want to bring in here for a second. Lauren, I need to know, with Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving weekend coming, I know that a big part of the Thanksgiving tradition in our family is The turkey's great. Love the turkey. Love the stuffing. But the thing that really gets me excited about this holiday are the pies that you bake. You go nuts with pies. Can you give us 30 seconds on what I am in for on the pie front tomorrow? Okay, okay. So by the end of this episode, I'll pull up some pictures for you because I have some pretty pies already. All right. So there's half a dozen pumpkin pies over there and then there's apple pies and then i made an apple strawberry this year and it's exciting that is oh an apple (laughs) strawberry a fruit hybrid pie is in Mm -hmm. our future Mm -hmm. happy to hear it that's putting me in a good mood a lot of things are putting me in a good mood including oh look at that you just (laughs) you just came from the oven also very (laughs) daniel naruda uh writes in Oh, a report from the pie, or a pie report from the front. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, <laughs> other reasons why I'm in a good mood, and there are many. First of which, top on the list, our co-host joining us right now. Let's go ahead and bring them in. Bill Down Upright Bolden, friend of the podcast. Bill's been hanging out with this show since the beginning. A break the business hipster. Before we were cool, Bill was hanging out with us. And Bill's <laughs> going to be joining us this week to help co-host and to give us the latest on the new project, We're Doomed, We're Dancing, the crowdfunding campaign that Break the Business helped back. And now it's my understanding, Bill, you're going to be walking us through what we have paid for with our, our backing, right? We get to help make your album. Yes, exactly. Um, you backed at the tier where you get to set the genre, title, and theme of one of the 60 tracks in 60 Minutes. And um, I hope you've brought some delicious demands to the table because uh, people are getting very specific with what they want. And, uh, you know, it's on me to deliver. We did indeed get some great listener feedback on this. I got a few emails that came in and unfortunately, and maybe this is something that you'll enjoy They could not be more all over the map in terms of the genres they want to hear. So uh, you're going to have fun with that. We're going to talk all about that later in the segment. We're going to we're going to hopefully hopefully like sift through all of the emails and kind of land on one concept for our track for the album, a break the business track for We're Doom, We're Dancing. So I'm excited about that. Also excited for our guest coming up in the next segment, Brooklyn-based indie pop artist Jenny Kern is going to be joining us. Really dig her music, really dig her new EP. That's going to be a fun conversation. Let me tell you what else is making me smile, Lauren and Bill. Among the emails that I received, in addition to uh, genre suggestions for Bill's album for our Break the Business track, one of the listeners had a little fun with me. Uh, I got a listener email that said, Ryan, what in the hell happened to your mic at the end of your show? And what would we need to pay you to do a whole show sounding like that? (laughs) To give everyone a little background, if you didn't catch last week's show, Right at the end, my mic decided to just completely fall apart. Uh, I started sounding like this chipmunk. It was high-pitched. It was fast. Every two seconds, it would cut out entirely. It sounded a little something like this. There's education, email lists, join communities, be a good community member, and 
collaborate with people and, and that'll get you far. I can't help but be so motivated by your husband. Does my mic sound as bad as I think it does? Dude, it's bad. Absolutely. It's, yes. It's, <laughs> why don't you all close this out and I'll uh, just throw my Dude. mic in the trash. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Now, let me tell you about what I find great about this clip, all right? It's really the tale of two different approaches that my co-host at the time, Zach Sloan, had and Lauren had in this time of my like greatest podcasting failure, okay? What does Zach Sloan, consummate professional, do in that situation? Immediately realize that his fellow host is suffering, pops right in, takes over the conversation, is ready to roll. What does my trusty producer, Lauren, do? Immediately pop in and start laughing at my misfortune. <laughs> well, you know, once once you have the issue happen, you have to call attention to it. You can't just ignore it. It's like dropping a prop on the stage and being like, no one sees the hat there. It's not there. So um, <laughs> That's what I wanted. In, <laughs> if the audience is your, laughing uh, at you. Fan suggestion, there's a software called Voice Mod that does voice filters for streamers. Mm -hmm. Look into it, Ryan, and see. Please if, don't if they... encourage them, Bill. Oh yeah, you could do an entire. Uh, you could do an entire live stream with like a chipmunk filter on or something. I have those effects boxes. We could totally make that happen, it, but it we don't want to. It was a complete. <laughs> yeah, you kind of do. It was a complete disaster, and I was horrified. So horrified that actually, to producer Lauren's credit, I took her suggestion and bought battery backups for all the systems. Because I think the reason why that happened is the computer shorted out during our last show. So now I have a battery backup surge protector in all of our equipment, and hopefully that will fix the problem. And if it doesn't, you all get to enjoy me fail again, which I think is one of the listeners' favorite things around here. Another thing that made me smile before we get to our news this week that Lauren did bring to my attention, and it's just a wonderful story. One of the things that we often impart on this show is the idea that it's never too late to achieve your dreams. There's so much in this music industry, so many forces that are telling us that once you hit a certain age, whatever that age may be, that it's time to hang it up. It's you know, you're never going to hit that that big goal. This industry is one that favors youth, that craves youth, and once you hit whatever that age is, it's time to give up and and do something else. And to those people, I would say look no further than these two words. Angela Alvarez, also known as this year's Latin Grammy winner for Best New Artist at the tender young age of 95 years old. And you heard me right. Best New Artist. She put out her first album last year, presumably at the age of 94 years old, had never put out an album before, puts this album out wins the Grammy. Look at her holding that statue. She gave a wonderful speech. Lauren, you have thrown yourself into something of a Angela Alvarez rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. Just falling in love with this wonderful woman. Uh, tell us and what you story. have discovered. Yeah. Like, yes, her music is good. If you've listened to it, it's wonderful. But it comes from a place of living a life that long and having those stories to tell. She, you know, escaped Castro's Cuba and had to reestablish herself here leaving her husband behind then she lost her husband and her kid to cancer and like just all of this stuff happened in her life and then she decided she was going to share it through her music and take us all on that journey with her and i'm super appreciative she did and i think everyone should follow that example and find a way to share and tell your stories because it's going to help somebody and i think that's what's important about not letting music just become a young person's game is mm -hmm. there are certain stories that only musicians of a certain age can effectively tell. Lauren, a few years ago, you and I got to work on a project with this uh, artist named Catman Do. Mm -hmm. He was this like Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash kind of singer, uh, similar to Angela Alvarez, didn't put out an album his entire life until like his 70s when his two wonderful sons came to us asking for help putting out an album for their dad. And we helped him produce the album and release it. And we, I did the legal for it. And 
The album is wonderful. You should check it out again. The artist is called Katmandu. And one of the songs that he sings is a song about being a Vietnam veteran and the scars that he experienced from war and the holes that it left in his heart. And I think what's important about that is to understand that no matter how young and talented you are, you can't tell that story unless you're old enough to have experienced those horrors in Vietnam. And so when we say that only people of a certain age can stay in the industry, we're missing out on those stories. So please heed what were these examples of Angela Alvarez and Katmandu and so many other artists who hit their peak artistically so much later in life and don't give up just because you think the industry says that once you hit a certain age, you're done because you're not. Oh, and uh, just a, yeah. a when you win your first story. Grammy at 95, you can't tell me you're too old to do anything at this point. <laughs> no. Do we know if she speaks English only because I would love very much to have her on the show. And like, I know that like my Duolingo score is getting a little better and yours is too, Lauren. <laughs> but I feel like if we tried to do this in Spanish, we'd only embarrass ourselves. I think I'll reach out to her if you'd like. Um, I think yes, but mostly because her whole website is in English. So okay. it's not, you know, it's not like I was futzing through Spanish stuff to find out about her. Like she pitches on her page in English and she's been here. You know, she didn't just come here from Cuba. She's been here for longer than I've been alive. Mm -hmm. um, so she has acclimated. She had to come to a country not knowing the language, I assume, you know. Now, do we know if she can later. handle a video conference? We'll find out. Because while music is certainly not a just a young person's game, video conferencing might be. We'll have to we'll, we'll call experience. her grandkids in. Sorry, can her grandson turn her computer on for her? That's right. Um, but he probably can. So. All right, let's <laughs> let's see if we can make that happen for one of these subsequent weeks. Um, whoever we have booked for whatever week, Angela Alvarez, you have just first priority. We're going to get you on this program if you want to be on it, because what an amazing story. Yes. Want to talk to you guys a little bit before we uh, have Bill tell us about the We're Doing We're Dancing project, about this recent news with everything that's going on with Ticketmaster and that giant mess where... Uh, Ticketmaster was trying to run the pre-sale for Taylor Swift's latest tour, and it was a complete disaster. Uh, the site failed. Uh, people weren't getting their tickets. People were getting kicked off the site. People were losing their tickets. And finally, uh, Ticketmaster just had to call the whole thing off. Said, never mind, we're not doing the sale. Uh, we screwed up. Um, Taylor Swift's fans are mad. And as we know, Taylor Swift's fans, a perfectly reasonable bunch that in no way will like get super mad at people on the internet, if you if you wrong them in any way and uh, Taylor Swift, also a very reasonable person who never uses the Internet to like shame people that wrong her and her fans. So everything's been very reasonable here. Smash cut to Taylor Swift and her fans getting so mad that it's literally reached the halls of Congress on November 22nd, the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Competition Policy, Antitrust, and Consumer Rights announced that they're going to be holding hearings investigating Ticketmaster and specifically the lack of competition in the concert ticket ticketing industry because it's of the belief of the subcommittee that that's the reason why we're in this mess right now and why all the Swifties are pretty rightfully upset. In a news release, Senator and Subcommittee Chair Amy Klobuchar said, quote, the competition problem in ticketing markets was made painfully obvious when Ticketmaster's website failed hundreds of thousands of fans hoping to purchase concert tickets. The high fees, site disruptions, and cancellations that customers experienced shows how Ticketmaster's dominant market position means the company does not face any pressure to continually innovate and improve. That's why we will hold a hearing on how consolidation in the live entertainment and ticketing industry harms customers and artists alike. When there is no competition to incentivize better services and fair prices, we all suffer the consequences. Now, it's up to interpretation as to whether what happened with Ticketmaster is specifically a product of just bad luck and Ticketmaster not being prepared, or if it's because Ticketmaster wasn't prepared because they don't face any real competition and they don't have a incentive to innovate and make their platform better to handle the load of uh, millions of Swifties converging on the website. 
I mean, the Senate subcommittee seems to think that might be going on here. But I'm glad that somebody is pointing the finger and shining a light, so to speak, on Ticketmaster and Live Nation and the impact that that consolidation has on the music industry and the negative impacts it's having. Because whether or not Ticketmaster and Live Nation's monopoly power caused this Taylor Swift mess, it does cause a lot of problems for indie creators. The consolidation of companies like Ticketmaster and the parrot company Life Nation um, can hurt the can hurt indie creators because it creates a situation where Live Nation, which controls a big chunk of the venues where artists can play, hundreds of venues around this country are Live Nation venues, and so if you want to play in certain towns, you got to get Live Nation's permission, and to get that permission, they will often squeeze artists especially indie artists. They'll tell indie artists, you want to play in this Live Nation venue? We want 30% of your merch. You want to play in this Live Nation venue? You need to use Ticketmaster as your exclusive ticketing provider. And, you know, obviously fans love using Ticketmaster, so that's no problem for the indie creators. Uh, The creators have spoke about this on November 18th. Jack Antonoff tweeted uh, that, you know, why this is a problem. I don't know if we have that tweet up. Uh, somewhere. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Jack, Jack Adenoff, uh said something along the lines of, um, you know, talking about, let me see if I have it. Here we go. Live, oh, oh, so yeah, Spiral Stairs also spoke to this. Uh, Jack Antonoff said that, like, one of the biggest problems in the industry right now, oh, there it is. While we are having the discussion, can venues simply stop taxing the merch of artists? This is literally the only way you make money when you start out touring. This is true. Last week, we talked about how indie creators are in this rotten place right now where because of COVID and how much everything's getting more expensive, the only way a lot of creators can still make a profit on tour is if they can do it with merch. Large companies that are saying that are taking a chunk of your merch are making that difficult. Uh, case in point, a tweet from Spiral Stairs that came out uh, last month spoke to this. I don't know if we have that tweet. There it is. Spiral Stairs wrote in, Live Nation took 30% last night for doing mu- uh, for doing nothing. Took 30% of their merch just because they can. And the broader point, and, I, and I'm glad Bill is here to, to help us kind of work through this because I always hold in very high regard Bill's insights on all things business. In addition to being an amazing DJ and producer, Bill's a top-notch entrepreneur and is somebody I often go to when I have business questions. What this is really a story of for indie artists is the problems that consolidation imposes on the industry. Like, we're supposed to be a country that regulates and prohibits monopolies. But in the last 20 or 30 years, we've took a softer hand with that. And that often in the music industry, it creates a lot of problems. On the touring side, it creates a situation where artists are getting squeezed out of their money when they go on tour and have to go into live nation venues. Uh, on the recorded music side, 75% of all recorded music is owned by about five companies, which gives those companies excessive market power going into platforms like Spotify. And so they're getting better deals than indie creators are and taking more of those profits. And uh, even and then on the uh, streaming side, when you only have a limited number of streamers, uh, they don't have to compete against each other to give creators better terms on their per stream payouts. So we're seeing a failure, a policy failure across the board to regulate monopolies in the music industry, and that's going to hurt indie creators. So I would love very much to see Congress step in and talk about this. And I'm a little encouraged by the fact that the new Democratic leader with uh, Nancy Pelosi stepping out is Hakeem Jeffries, who is probably going to be the first party leader in Congress who knows the music industry, who is supposedly pro-artist, pro-creator, and so maybe he will bring some of these issues to light. Bill, I don't know how much of this Live Nation story you've been following. I don't know if you're a big Swifty and you were trying to get your pre-sale ticket. And, they, <laughs> and uh, But although you're tech savvy enough that I feel like you could have found some way to hack into that system and you know gotten yourself a ticket for about a dime. Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, they, they have uh, – there's an entire industry built on scalping where it's an arms race of the anti-scalping technologies versus the scalpers. And so um, there are people whose entire livelihood is built around reverse engineering what Ticketmaster puts as a blocker in front of purchasing a ticket. And um, – 
I would never profess as someone who just thought of it 10 seconds ago that I could <laughs> that I could compete with what these people have been building up institutional knowledge for years. It's it's honestly um it's a lot like people who manipulate Google's SEO. It's a lot like people who manipulate Spotify rankings. Everyone's trying to reverse engineer the algorithm on you. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, like we're here because Ticketmaster has allowed itself to become a system that is, you know, manipulatable. They almost are in a lot of ways, perhaps encouraging these secondary markets. There was a lawsuit uh, a few a few years ago where somebody was alleging that Ticketmaster was actually pulling its tickets off of its main service platform and putting it onto a secondary market platform that it owns so it could basically double dip and make the money twice. And, you know, and that isn't to say there aren't other providers. We, a few months ago, we had a provider, a, a tech company that was aiming to be a disruptor of Ticketmaster. Like there are other competitors in this space that are saying we have a way to do it that's more ethical, that's more pro artist, that's more pro fan, that doesn't create a terrible fan experience to buy the tickets. And none of these companies can get traction because one company has the market power and controls the venues. And so we can't like there's no space for competition to create a better experience. And that's a problem. No. And I think it's a policy problem that needs a policy solution. I completely agree. And uh, it's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that one of the clauses of working with Ticketmaster and Live Nation is that to use their venues at all as part of your tour, your entire tour must be a Ticketmaster Live Nation tour. I believe um, I have I, I've seen that with artists I work with. I, I can't 100% say it's definitive, but that sounds right to me. So they own a lot of the stadiums and arenas that can handle artists at scale like uh, Taylor Swift. And yeah. you basically there's no chance for them to split up their tour and say, like, well, in this particular city, we're going to go with one non-ticket master venue. They can't do that. They can't divvy it up. And that's just trust. That The only solution to that is trust busting. It's like good old-fashioned like Teddy Roosevelt yeah, style. I, I was just busting. thinking Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> yes. Uh, TR, would, I, I, TR would have been a Swifty. He would have had no patience for this. <laughs> I could see that just Matt, that giant, uh, delightful mustachioed man just in the concert, uh, singing blank space. All right, before uh, before we bring in Jenny Kern, before we go to break and bring in Jenny Kern, I want to take about five to ten with you, Bill, and get the updates on the Weird Doomed Weird Dancing project to uh, catch everybody up. Bill is in the midst of a crowdfunding Kickstarter-supported album, uh, sixty songs, sixty seconds per song, and. For some folks who made the contribution, i.e. break the business, we have purchased the ability to get to essentially curate one of your 60 songs. And so you're here joining us to uh, curate and, and, and help shape this song using our listeners' feedback live on the air. Yes. And uh, to assist in this, I have um, sort of a omnipotent spreadsheet that I've been working on that tracks all the uh, dozens of genres so far. I mean, already we've got um, hair metal, we've got surf rock, we've got jam band, we've got goth, we've got dub, drum and bass, dubstep, country, reggaeton, hip hop, synth wave, new metal. Everything is appearing on this album because it is 60 tracks in 60 genres. Um, we've even got, uh, one fan who purchased the tier where they get to name their own genre named opera. And they're having Whoa. me, um, dig way back to my formal music education to try to remember how to write Baroque counterpoints so that I can <laughs> cook up some opera. So, um, whatever direction the fans of break the business wanted to take this, I'm here for it. The only, the only stipulation is that um, it's got to be something I can do in 60 seconds, and it's got to fit into the larger theme of the album, which is how are we all coping with the apocalypse? <laughs> which we are uh, certainly very much in the throes of. I am so excited for this project, uh, not only because we're 
playing a small role in it. But I'm excited, you know, for for you as somebody who's as as I am a fan of your work, the idea that you sort of get to challenge yourself artistically by throwing yourself into this wide array of genres. I mean, like the, the idea that you're going to be able to go into all of those and turn in great performances is so exciting to me. But I like to think our listeners did a nice job with this. I, I put out the bat signal to have them throw in some genre suggestions. Um, and I have one of my own. And between those, maybe we, you know, maybe with producer Lauren's help, we can land on something. All right. So for me, what I like, what I'm sort of listening to the most these days, the last couple of years is I'm something of a Eurovision obsessive. Mm -hmm. It's my, my favorite music event of the year. It is my Super Bowl. I absolutely love Eurovision. And so I'm a big fan of that sort of light fluffy euro pop that usually comes out of like sweden or iceland's entry in eurovision you know kind of like abba inspired you know get, get you bouncing up and down like very usually very simple english and just super super bubblegummy and catchy that's kind of my jam right now but like i would i could yeah go ahead oh if, if i could come up with something that sounded like it came from from ABBA or like Barbie Girl or something. Is oh. that like the right Is vibe? Bubblegum pop on your list yet? No, I don't have a bubblegum pop track. <laughs> oh. I, I didn't even I, I love Aqua, by the way. Mm, like, okay. So like I mean, you know, like and not even ironically, like I'm trying to be funny. Um <laughs> So like I mean for like and, and not even like Barbie girls all right but like the real jam like any any Aqua fans out there you know let, let me get, get your hands up um the song Cartoon <laughs> Heroes by Aqua like the Aqua fans out there know what I'm talking about that song is an absolute banger I mean like it, and god the song's probably 25 years old so I'm really dating myself right now but like yeah that kind of really bouncy poppy maybe a little bit of a dance beat behind it that's always uh fun so that's what that's where my head is at like anything in like the you know swedish pop euro pop uh aqua variety that's that's all good but feel good music i think the listeners i I got two distinct listener suggestions here one which i definitely would fully support because this is in my wheelhouse too somebody said uh indie pop in the realm of say a bell and sebastian or a death cab for cutie. I was a college radio DJ for four years. So those people are, are certainly playing to my wheelhouse as well. Um, and then the other one, which I think might be something you could be interesting. You're interested in bill. Like this one might really be a winner for you. Somebody wrote in an email all in all caps, nothing else. Chip tunes. Ooh. Now I had to look up what a chip tune was. Uh, for the for the uninitiated, the ch- chip tunes are imagine like the eight bit music that you would hear list uh, on a regular Nintendo game. Um, you know, like very simple music because back then, yeah, yeah exactly. Like the like the original Mario theme, where the the art comes from the fact that like you're sort of limited in what you can do with the capabilities of an eight bit video game system. So the music's not very complicated. But it's also very catchy and interesting. So, yeah, if you think like the original Super Mario Brothers theme, that's a chiptune song. The original Legend of Zelda theme, like going all the way back to the 1980s, that's chiptunes. And, you know, I, I know, Bill, you you strike me as somebody who would be into like, you know, electron. I mean, obviously you're an electronic artist, so I don't I don't know if you're a big gamer. Does, does chiptunes music uh, excite you at all? It sure does. Um, the great, <laughs> okay. I, I listen to a lot of chip tunes, and I've made chip tunes. Of um, course, you have. Yeah. Of, of course, I have, uh, as one does. So um, <laughs> I have room for uh, all of these. All of these. Yes. Um, we didn't give him Zach's suggestion yet, for the record. Oh gosh! What was Zach's suggestion? He threw out. I something just remember last it week. had polka in it. It was like something yes. way out there in the. He side. wanted polka. That's right. But it was something polka. It wasn't like normal polka. Oh, something polka. I, I have to go back and find it. It was wonk. Some 
some people are getting very specific, but I need to have a certain amount of artistic room to play in. Like uh, somebody, um, one of the people is having me do a choir track, which it's on me to figure out how to do a choir. Um, I've been looking little... on Fiverr. Mm -hmm. I've oh, been yeah. looking on Fiverr and there are choirs you can hire for a couple hundred bucks. Um, so I'll be writing a chorale. Uh, but specifically, the, the first request was for a Welsh choir. And I was like, <laughs> I cannot on. specifically get you a choir of Welsh people. <laughs> Even I have my limits. <laughs> Man. wonder what the difference vocally is. A lot more of those. Uh, well, that's all how it's spelled, not how it sounds. But I, I couldn't pick a I couldn't pick a Welsh accent out of a police lineup. So well, I especially don't... in yeah. choral stuff, like we're opening our vowels, and like there's not a whole lot of. Uh... <laughs> See, I would think if you were going to do a, a choir, like you, you certainly have the production capability. You could be your own choir, right? You could record that's all the voices and do some studio magic on it. I could, but I couldn't be the Sopranos and the Altos. It's not just an issue of pitching yourself up. It doesn't. It's not the same as having yeah. real Sopranos and Altos. Um, I can be all the baritones. So an all baritone <laughs> choir certainly is something within my power. Um, but so back to the theme okay. for your light, fluffy Europop track. What is a sufficiently what does a band like Aqua or something like that say in the theme of we're doomed, we're dancing? What is their contribution? Because everybody's taking – some people are like, we're going down partying. Some people are like, I'm angry at the people who did this to us. Some people are like, we can still build a better world. It's still possible. What does fluffy Europop have to say? Oh, Lauren. Oh, oh, <laughs> did oh. you raise your hand? Oh, oh me. Ah. Uh, Sometimes it's nice to escape the world. Mm -hmm. Like when oh. there's a lot of stuff, sometimes we just need a, a palate cleanser. <laughs> we think too much. That's right. Yeah, that's good. We, we need it. So need a... maybe this track can be like a palate cleanser that does, that is like a track that's like, uh, I don't care about that. I'm falling in love tonight or Yay! something. Yeah. Because even that. in the middle of the apocalypse, we can, you know, somebody can still love you. I like it. Ooh, Ooh. very nice. And Which did any of the listeners suggest themes? Um, all we got from them was genres. Um, okay. But, like, we can absolutely workshop themes here. Oh, yeah. I love that game. Yeah. Well, for a chip <laughs> tune, um, you know what I'm thinking for a chip tune? Mm-hmm is almost on the video game front, something like you can't reload this from a save file. Ooh. Yeah. Especially, especially back in an era when, when chiptunes roamed the earth, like no, no game that has a chiptune allowed you to save your progress. No. Yeah. Exactly. You started over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's stripped down. That's you know right. what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not all the fancy high tech we have Once now. Once you, you run out of lives, everything. game yeah. over. Yep. yep. And um, indie pop, like Bell and Sebastian. What direction do we want to go with that one? Oh, man. Um, you know, just... I don't like, want to say whiny, but like, you know, sometimes you need to get... Like, there's a lot of stuff going on, and sometimes you need to vent. I feel like it's your venting track. I mean, well, let's, let's take it in like Ben Gibbard's direction, right? Ooh, just, okay. you know, like, I will follow you into the dark. If heaven and hell decide they're both satisfied, illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. If there is no one to guide you when your soul embarks, I will follow you into the dark. We are not going to heaven or hell. We are just marching steadfastly into the infinite blackness that awaits us, and I will hold your hand the whole time because that Ben Gibbard and that's what I do. Were those Ben Gibbard lyrics? Uh, everything up until the last part, yes. Yeah, he just okay. quoted that whole thing. Wow. Um, wow. Okay, so that's a vibe. I can't use any <laughs> of that to be the exact literal theme because that's the old plagiarismo. Well, no, just, I mean, like, for, <laughs> but, you know, like... Uh, conceptually. You know, like, accepting the fact that nothing awaits us when this apocalypse happens. 
uh, but just nothingness and blackness. Like nihilistic. But what I do have is the person I love. And what that represents to me, that is the be all and end all. We're not, there's nothing after this. What I have is the here and now. Very okay. you, and Juliet, we're all going to happy. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can get all that in sixty seconds. Yeah, you can. All right. Yes. Oh, so, sorry, but, yeah. The the takeaway is for you and for your listeners. I am making a light, fluffy Europop track that's going to sound like Aqua or a Eurovision song, and it's going to be a palate cleanser that doesn't have much to do with the end of the world at all. We're going to be making a chiptunes track called You Can't Reload This from a Save File. And we're going to be making an indie pop track in the vein of Belle and Sebastian that's about nothing awaiting us. It's nihilistic, but I have the person I love. I like it. Nice job, everybody. I am looking forward to this album. (laughs) Thank you, Um, Break the Business, and and your listeners. Now, Obviously, this is not a fair question to ask of any artistic endeavor, and we absolutely, you absolutely reserve the right to revise it. But what is our timeline looking like to get us to enjoy these projects? I gave myself until April, so April. plenty of time. All right, now at, so for who? When, that's not plenty of time. That's impressive. Yeah, it's well, a lot of tracks. Well, Bill's pretty prolific. So when we when we get that final product, please come by again so we can enjoy it with you. Where we're going to be really excited to hear these tracks. Um, let's take a break. Bill, uh, you're welcome to stick around if you want to hang out with us while we talk to Jenny Kern either way, but Jenny Kern's joining us and we're really thrilled for that. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out. Break the business. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you a lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, you lovely humans. Uh, I see Lauren. Did you post uh, in the uh, in the chat there some of the pies that you will be uh, showing off for us this Thanksgiving? Well, I, I preloaded them for later, but yes, those are some Ooh. of my pies. Wow. So there's pumpkins and apples, and the one with the little stars is that apple strawberry I was talking about earlier. That's probably the one I'm excited the most about. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and thank you all so, so much for joining us wherever you're joining us, whether it's on the live streaming platforms like Twitch and YouTube and Twitter or or LinkedIn, surprisingly. didn't know they have live streaming now, but they do. Or if it's on all major podcast platforms or if it is on Sirius XM 145, wherever you're checking us out, we are thrilled to be having you here. Ryan Carella here. Our thanks to Bill Bolden for joining us in the first segment. Thanks to you, uh, Producer Lauren, for helping write the ship Excited now to bring on our guest this week. She is a Brooklyn-based indie dream pop artist whose music has been featured on MTV, ABC, and CW programs and has been receiving recent coverage in Ear Milk and Ones to Watch. 
Her new EP, Your Heart Knows, is available now, and you can follow our guest on Instagram at Jenny Kern Music. We are happy to welcome Jenny Kern on to Break the Business. Hi, Jenny. Hey, how are you? Thrilled. Thank you so much. Uh, doing great. I love your microphone, by the way. Just thank uh, you. I mean, you. Lauren, like that. I mean, certainly like top one percent of mic setups we've seen around here. Like we have just. The same Oh, there you go. It's it, really <laughs> fabulous. Like this is why I like interviewing the artists specifically, Lauren, because you know they always have the uh, the audio set up ready to go. Look at Jenny, great headphones, right on the ear. She's got the high quality mic, and there's not a lot of ambient noise. Yeah. It's like she's one of us, you which can is come surprising back because I so I live in Brooklyn, as you had mentioned, and I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked that there's no major noise coming from my street right now oh, yeah. into the apartment just wait the ambulance there will go is, by in a little bit yeah there is sure, no yeah. room tone co-hosting with jenny kern this week she is uh all by herself in there and it sounds marvelous before we talk about your music jenny i was intrigued reading about you and how uh in a in a former former life you were once a page at nbc you were jack mcbrayer's character on 30 rock basically can you give us your coolest NBC page story, uh, celebrity encounters, things like that? Okay, so so uh, so many, um, but I think the coolest story was probably working the SNL 40th anniversary event, and I I, I remember I was uh, d- down in the studio for the event in the in the back part of it, and I was just standing there, and all of a sudden Ed Norton starts talking to me. And I'm freaking out internally because I'm like, what do I say to Ed Norton? And he's just he's just chatting away. And I'm just and I'm just, you know, just face. I'm like, this is my job. I got to do it. And we're just chatting. Um, and then I leave and then like Rihanna walks by me. It, just crazy things. And I I'm freaking out. But the hardest part was that's your job, right? Like I have to be calm and I can't I can't be excited about seeing a celebrity it has to right. you know i have to be doing my job do they so. give the right. pages any instructions or coaching about how you're supposed to comport yourself when these many 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 famous people are walking by you on a daily basis at nbc you know i think they just they just freak you out like you can't <laughs> screw up you know like this is such a big opportunity so don't don't say the wrong thing or don't do this because then you know you'll be out and it's that pretty much goes right into your head and after that. And at first, you know, you see celebrities at first and the first time I see a few, it, I was so excited and I just, you know, I didn't know what to do. By the end of my page, you know, journey, I was, I would see them and I'd be like, okay, so you're an actor. Okay, cool. So you're a singer. Cool. I'd, I'd be like, that's your job, right? Like, this is my job. That's your job. Right. Totally they don't the they don't Just forget that they're people right they don't forget that they're normal people but you do you're like they're not normal and they're like I, i'm a person <laughs> exactly yeah that's All super right. cool I, I i dig that I, i've never met an nbc page before until now this is uh very very exciting your ep i got i gotta talk to you about this uh jenny uh, it is it has taken my heart on something of a journey this past week as i've been listening to it your ep your heart knows really powerful, an exploration of love and relationships. I want you to teach us, Jenny, a little bit about relationships for a second. I was listening to your song, Miss Somebody, where you sit, you were singing in the song about thinking about an old love. And you say, this is a quote from your lyrics here. You'll find me holding on until the end. I'd even go through all the pain again and over again. It's really nice to miss somebody. It hurts to miss them, you're saying, but it feels nice too. Oh my heart, Jenny Kurd. What what roller coaster have you gone through in your life to pen lyrics like that? Just my goodness. That's so funny Who you say that. You, it also didn't hurt you. Because so I, I I literally just got back from Nashville first thing this morning and I played a show last night and I played Miss Somebody, and at the end of the show a few people came up to me and, and one person in particular said, um, what happened? 
I mean, I'm so grateful for your pain because we get this music, but what happened? And I, I was like, I know, but trust me, I'm not trying to do this. I mean, without, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know like how much you're revealing the names of the person involved, but is there some person like listening to this right now being like, man, I really took Jenny Kern for a loop. It's a high possibility. It's a high possibility. <laughs> My oh, goodness. No. But like, I mean, I've, I've been there. I'm sure producer Lauren has been there. Like every human being knows that experience where it's like, I, I, I miss them and they bring me joy, but like there's pain in that. But like, I don't want to forget that pain because like there's, there's it, the joy is mixed in and like, how do I reconcile that? And for you, you can write a song about it. The rest of us just kind of have to like laugh and cry the whole time. Well, I, I mean, that's you. the thing is like, I, I don't, you know, I mean, you listen, listen to the EP. It's very, a lot of it is very much this sad, um, focusing on the, the bad stuff and really wanting to lose somebody. I should lose you. And then you have Miss Somebody for me, which was, I mean, my favorite song on the EP for so many reasons, but it's the one song on the EP that has this really positive undertone to it, which was really important to me because I think the thing is, is that we all think about relationships that didn't work in a negative way. We tend to do that. We say, oh, this didn't work. We broke up. That means it wasn't good. But for me, I wanted to think about, well, it didn't work but what can I take away from that? What can I focus on and remember and actually have a positive breakup, a positive, you know, X. And that was important. And that I actually wrote this song with, with two very good friends of mine in the UK. And I was out there recording, say we tried. And we just had one day where we had a day off and we wrote this song and we wrote it in like an hour we talked about it for like 10 minutes and then we just, we just wrote it. God, I, I love hearing stories like that in terms of songwriting where yeah. like there, there are plenty of artists out there who are like this, this song took me six months to write and nobody likes it. <laughs> and then this other song I wrote in the, the, you know, the back of my tour bus in four and a half minutes. And it's the biggest hit I have. And just because like the, everything comes together for you and your co-writers at the right time and you create this beautiful thing and it just it just flows out. You don't even have to give it a thought. And that sounds like what this was. Sorry, Lord, I was interrupting you there. No, I was just, I wanted to know a little bit more about that process. Like, do you intentionally go into conversations with your team to inspire things? Do you go in with the intent of, of collaborating on things? Or did you guys just happen to be out at lunch and chatting and be like, you know what? Why don't we work on this together? Let's turn this into a song. Or was it kind of intentional? I mean, a little bit of both. So I, uh, I'm trying to like set the scene in my head. I think we, it was, it was like 9 p.m. and we were, I think we, we had like poured each other some whiskey or something and we were just chatting. And, uh, I, I had this chord progression that I had been sitting on. So to be fair, I was, I was sitting on a chord progression and, and a sample and I played it. And all of a sudden we were all just like, oh, we just got to write over this. We got to write over this. And we were talking about what we wanted to write about. And I think it, for some reason in that particular moment, I just wanted to write about something that wasn't negative for the first time. You know, not that not that my music is negative, but it, it the undertones aren't necessarily as positive as something like that. And I really wanted to write about something positive. And I came up with the hook in my head. It's um you know, it's, it's really nice to miss somebody. And then we were like, oh, we should, we should, <laughs> what was that? We should, let's keep going. Let's keep, let's keep going. Let's keep churning it. So, um, but for the most part, I have a, I have a, you know, notes app with lists of things that I'd love to dive into for myself or in a co-write. And I think I love, the thing I love most about co-writing is that if you find people you can be really open with and really vulnerable with, that's when the magic happens because that's when you, it's almost like a little mini therapy session and we're all just talking about our feelings and then we all just get to spit it out. It's so wonderful. That's marvelous. It's great Jenny, that you have a team like that too. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, while we're reminiscing, Jenny, I'd like for you to reminisce on the year 2018 for us. So in this year, you decide to leave a career as a film and TV producer to become a full-time musician. These stories to me are always really interesting ones. I, because, you know, it's, it's a common story with indie creators where at some point you have kind of one foot in one career and one foot into the music thing. And then at some point you have to make that decision to take the plunge. I'm going to do music full time. This is going to be my focus. And I love asking artists what gave them the courage to get that second foot in there, to take that plunge. What was it for you? What decision did I, I chose to do this? Why? Uh, <laughs> leaving, leaving the, uh, the normal job and going straight to music. You're like, why? Yeah, no, it's like, why did I do that? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, it's, it's great. A, like, by the way, I don't know. It would have been a perfectly acceptable answer. What was I thinking? Truly, I mean, there's, there's always, isn't there always a little sliver of that being, you know, just saying, why, why did I make that choice? Um, no, I mean, I think it's a funny story because I, so I was full blown in work mode in early 2018 and I was, I was getting like burnt out and I, I realized I was like, Jenny, you need a hobby oh my goodness, you need to stop working like 12, 14 hour day, like crazy. I was working a lot and I needed something to re-engage myself in. Um, and I had always played music. You know, I, I played a little bit of guitar when I was a young teenager and uh, piano lessons growing up and some saxophone in high school. I played music, so but I never really sang and I never wrote a single song, not until 2018, I'll tell you that. And then I had a friend who was like, you, you played some songs when you were in university. Why don't you just play a show and start playing music again? And I was like, you don't just play a show. You don't just go to venues in New York and say, hey, I play covers of, you know, Nora Jones. Let me play a show. Um, and they actually were very kind to me, but they told me, hey, we're looking for singer songwriters. We're looking for, or big cover bands, you know, those very intense, um, full band, exciting pop kind of cover bands. And this same friend, bless her heart, she's, um, I, she's the reason I'm sitting here right now, said, you should write a song. And I was like, okay, I'll just write a song. <laughs> <laughs> As we all do, right? And I, it turns out you can, you can actually <laughs> just write a song as I found out. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote a lot of awful stuff that year, but then I got to August, 2018 and I wrote slow burn, the first single I ever put out. And it was this moment where I had this you know, like mind, body, physical, mental connection with music for the first time that I had never experienced in my entire life. And it was in that moment where I thought, oh, two things. One, maybe I can actually do this. And two, I feel like I have to do this. Wow. I, I feel like if I don't, I'm going to turn whatever age at whatever time and look back and think, why didn't I try this? Why didn't I go for it? Because I, I'm kind of, I don't love, I don't love living in regret at all. I don't like to feel that emotion, but I didn't want to reach a point where I looked back and thought, well, why didn't I try? It's almost like you hit like some kind of inflection point. You were writing, mm -hmm. you were writing, you were writing, and all of a sudden you wrote slow burn and a switch went off. Mm -hmm. and, you're, and, and suddenly something that was a hobby that you did a little bit in college became front and center. You, you, know, you, you saw the path, you saw that this had to be the thing that you had to do for the foreseeable future. And I guess to get to there, you had to sort of kiss a lot of frogs musically because you had to you had to work those muscles that, you know, you hadn't been able to work for a long time to get to the point where you're writing stuff that you're really proud of. But once you were there, you're off to the races, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of been crazy. It's just been snowballing so much, which I'm so grateful for. I sometimes I wake up and I think, well, how did I go from 2018 to now with a pandemic in the process, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, but I, I posted recently. Um, I don't know if you saw on my Instagram, a, a, a reel that showed my first show ever at the bitter end 
playing the first song I ever wrote in my entire life. And then it switches and changes to me playing like a sold out show at Mercury Lounge with the my latest like hit single. And it I even I watch it and I, I have this moment of going, what? How did this happen? The 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 first show at the bitter end. It's like your Lady Gaga's origin story. Like there's there's YouTube video of of a Stephanie Germanata playing at the bitter end and starting her career that way. And you got the same trajectory. I mean that venue has a special place in my heart because I used to live down the street from the bitter yeah. end. So yeah. I love oh. the idea that you got your start there. That's magical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not yeah. a bad place to start. Yeah, no, it's a good, no. good place to cut your teeth for sure. Um, I've been asking a lot of creators lately about social media because of everything that's going on with Twitter and Elon Musk and you know, people are kind of reevaluating their relationship with social media these days thinking uh, where's the best platform for me or should I be just changing my relationship with social media should I be using it less should I be using it differently um, you seem to have a presence on a bunch of different platforms uh, love to get your perspective on kind of where your head is at these days with social media and I mean does it does it affect your mental health at all a hundred percent. I mean, I, and I, I think it's, it's really difficult right now because I've definitely sh shared a lot about this, but artists need to be present on social media. You know, like it's, it's not, um, it's not something the, in this current climate we can get away with. We can't just literally put music out and not exist socially. Now, the problem is, is how do you find the right balance of focusing on social media in a way that's productive while still maintaining your own sense of, you know, privacy and your own sense of, uh, you know, your mental well-being? Because it's very easy to focus on numbers and data and statistics and how many people like this and how many people are streaming this and how many, you know did I get more than 300 likes on a TikTok? I mean, it's, it's crazy that that's something that we have to think about as artists, as someone who grew up buying a CD, knowing that that person didn't have to go on Instagram to promote that CD. Like, you know, that's it. it for me, it's just been so hard to figure out how do I create balance? And then how do I navigate I, I don't even I don't truly know how to do social media do social media to make I don't know how do you say it but I, I don't really know how it works truly because I didn't grow up with it like I really didn't hmm. I, I didn't have Instagram in high school I, I had a kick I had like a slide phone like I'm not um, it's not it's not very familiar to me so my biggest thing is I just want to be as transparent as possible in what I say. And if I'm doing that, then I can at least feel good about that existing in the world because that's what I would want from other people. And, but TikTok is its own. I mean, I, <laughs> that's a, a whole other conversation there for sure. Uh, check out uh, our guest, Jenny Kern's new EP, your heart knows it's available now. And it is quite a delight. Jenny, before we let you go, one last question for you. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Ooh, tips. Um, I ask myself this all the time. Jenny, what should we do today? Um, <laughs> no. So, I mean, I think my, my biggest tip to anyone who wants to be creative in an indie capacity or just wants to write or get invested in music is to be be vulnerable, be open, uh, be willing to fail. I fail every day. I write songs that aren't good every day. I have shows where I miss a note. Like you're going to fail, which I don't see that as a failure, but you're going to have many failures all the time. You're going to feel like you're failing. And the day that you wake up and realize that's okay and like that's part of the process means you're going to have more success because you have to see failure as a moment to grow. And all it is about being an indie artist is about growing. If you, And even a major pop star should think that they're constantly growing. So being an artist is growing and we're never, we never, I don't, I don't think we ever make it. It's not like 
you make it and that's it and then you're done like you're always growing so that's very very well said jenny um your terrific insight as well as your perfect microphone is welcome on this program anytime please don't be a stranger we'd love to have you on again real soon just keep us updated on everything that's going on because this has been a real treat you got it uh, my thanks to you jenny thanks to you producer lauren thanks to bill bolden and thank you all viewers and listeners for checking out break the business it's been awesome and we'll see you next week